Hey everybody, this is Melanie and welcome to a special series of the Big Boo cast called Five Questions. This week in bonus episode four, we're continuing the conversation we had a few weeks ago on episode 224 with Elizabeth Passarella, author of Good Apple, Tales of a Southern Evangelical in New York. Elizabeth is going to talk about New York and riding through grief and the wonder that is Amy Grant. And if you're wondering why I'm doing the introduction this week, it's because I'm only in this episode a little bit because I had to leave for a soccer game because it's that time of year. So I just wanted to say, hey, really? You'll hear me off and on for the first 10 minutes or so, and then it's just Sophie and Elizabeth. I'll be back at the end of the episode to wrap up the conversation and tell you all the places you can find Elizabeth online. All right, we're gonna jump right into our conversation with Elizabeth Passarella, like no introductions, just full speed ahead from the very beginning. I hope y'all enjoy. Okay, so I said when I first mentioned your book, Good Apple, on this podcast, I said that I felt like it was your love letter to New York City. That I just, like your affection for that place is so embedded just all over that thing. And there was a a line, I think it was toward the, the end of the book where you said this, you said that you feel closer to God on the streets of New York when, and you said, when my kids and I have to stand in an eternally long line for a bagel, or we get caught in the freezing rain, trying to carry our Christmas tree home and everyone is miserable. I feel close to God when life is hard because I need him. Why would I wish that all, why would I wish that away all the time? So to put you on the spot a little bit um, for this place that you love, for this place where your affection is so evident for it. What are, what are your three just like wide open favorite things about, about mm-hmm. living there and, and getting to love people there? Oh gosh. Um, my fee, three favorite things. Well, I will say that sentiment really has had to hold in the past year too. Wow. <laughs> I mm-hmm. was just thinking as you were reading that, I mean, I wrote this book before the pandemic, it was mm-hmm. finished, done and shipped before this all happened. And I feel like to hear those words back, I think, I'm, I feel so lucky that I still feel that way. And it's, it's only gotten harder, you know, things have only been more difficult, especially in New York in the past year, but, um, oh gosh, I love central park. I think the (laughs) parks in New York are just glorious. And also in March, April, May of last year, when we really, it was really rough here and things were really, really shut down. It was the very beginning of the pandemic and things were so scary and just, you know, awful here. We, all we have a central park. The playgrounds were closed and my kids were home and we would go to the park every afternoon and we started to explore parts of the park that we hadn't been to before. And you can really feel like you were in the wilderness and, and, and walk one block away and be back on central park West or back on fifth Avenue. Mm. And I think that's just 
such a gift mm-hmm. to people who do not have backyards. <laughs> so for right. us, Central Park is huge. And, you know, Prospect Park in Brooklyn provides that same thing for people in Brooklyn. There's just amazing parks here and the playgrounds. And we happen to live right on Central Park, right across the street. And so that's a godsend for us with kids. Um, what else? I mean, you know, the food and the restaurants and the restaurant owners, I mean, mm-hmm. watching how they have become resilient and sort of mm-hmm. make these beautiful little pop-up twinkly light outdoor sort of shelters for people, people to be able to eat outside. I think that's great. Um, and I just, I love, I married an Italian mm. and I love Italian food. And, you uh-huh. know, Melanie, you were saying, I don't eat barbecue up here, but I feel like when people come to New York, I tell them to eat Italian food. Oh, I think 100%. that's what the restaurants here, you know, really shine and, and you can't get that as good in other places. So there's just so much good Italian food. Here that <laughs> uh-huh. I love. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, I love the fact, now we do have a car. In fact, we just upgraded. So when my dad passed away, we bought his minivan from my mother. Okay. Nice. So now we have a minivan that I love. It feels like a, a condo on wheels. To me. <laughs> <laughs> and we park it on the street and that would take all our time to discuss. But, um, but, you know, I do love the fact that we are not a car culture. You know, we have a car, we use it. I drive my kid to soccer practice because our soccer practice is far away, but, um, I love the fact that we walk everywhere yeah. and ride the bus and we're on the subway, not as much right now, but we, you know, it'll come back because I just think that you get the best people watching. Yeah. It's the best life lessons for my kids. Yes. And, you know, they don't have that Southern uh, thing where they're having to, you know, be polite and make small talk with the cashier because that just doesn't happen as much up here, but it does happen. I think so much on public transportation, Mm -hmm. learning to give up your seat for an elderly person that gets on learning to make room for someone with a baby, learning to help somebody pick up their grocery cart and put it on the bus. Mm -hmm. So I think some of those lessons really happen on the bus or in the elevator of our building. So the fact that we are all out and about is, is one of my favorite things about living in New York, especially raising kids in New York. I love that. And not to keep harping on the pandemic, we can move on from this. <laughs> but it's where we are. It made us feel less isolated. Yeah. You know, when people sort of left the city and nobody was going anywhere, the fact that we all live on top of each other and we're having to get in our lobby or go in our elevator or walk to the grocery store and be out on the streets, we didn't feel isolated because we saw our neighbors because right. we were out and about. We weren't sequestered in our houses or our cars. So I love that. Okay. I love that. I love yeah, that. I and I, I agree about the Italian food. Like to me, like every time I go to New York, I'm like, well, I could just eat Italian for every single meal. Yes. That's all I need. Yes. Like at all the different places. It's so good. There's just nothing like it. Did your book surprise you at all? Like, do, do you feel like there were some things you wrote about you didn't expect to write about, or there were some, there were some things you talked about or some places that went that you went, Oh gosh, I didn't see that coming. Or did it, did it fall pretty much like in a, in a pattern, like you thought it would. Well, my dad died right right when I was about to turn the book in, right? Not to, I mean, that's, that was the biggest thing. So I, the book was due in January of 2020. He died at the end of December, right Mm. before Christmas. And so, yeah, that was a surprise. It was Mm. not, um, yeah, that was not expected. And so I called my editor and I said, I'm going to need a little time. Yeah. And, and I didn't even take that much. I think I took less than a month after my original due date. I turned it in sort of at the end of January. And, but I had to go through and number one, just, just edit the, the things I'd already written about him to think about him in the past tense. And then I wrote about his death. I wrote about uh, his yeah. funeral a little bit. It was really early. It was really uh, soon. I don't, I, I haven't really gone back and read those chapters a whole lot since. I wonder if, if I would 
approach it differently with a year of perspective or a year of kind of grieving behind me, but I wrote it really in the moment. It was right after he died. And Mm -hmm. I wrote about that. So that changed the ending of the book for sure. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of people say I was laughing and laughing and then I started crying and I wasn't (laughs) expecting that, Right. but I think that's okay. It's okay. I mean, I definitely even approached his death with a little bit of humor. There was, there's humor in that chapter, but um, yeah, that was, that was the surprise. That was mm-hmm. the big, um, yeah. Winter surprise for, for us sure. is that I, I had to, I had to fold that in. I mean, I guess I didn't have to, I wanted to, I wanted yeah. to fold that in. And, um, yeah, so, so I, I wrote about, I write about him dying at the end of the book. And then I do feel like he loved New York, his ancestors, his great grandparents came through Ellis Island and lived on the Lower East Side of New York. So it was, New York was always really important to him. I feel like that our love of New York was something we really shared. And so ending the book also just talking about how it's my home now and feeling so at home here and loving the city so much helped me. He felt connected to that too. It felt like a natural way to end the book. Yeah. I love okay, Melanie, you gotta love you it. have to go. Yeah, I'm heading out. Elizabeth, it's been so nice talking to you. Hey y'all, today's show is sponsored exclusively by our favorite British streaming service, Acorn TV. And we invite all of you to support Acorn TV because their support allows us to keep our big boo cast free for all of you. Here is why we love them. Acorn TV is a commercial-free streaming service that's rooted in British television, my very favorite kind. It has a rich catalog of award-winning series across genres including mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. From production to performances, the series you'll find on Acorn TV are exceptional because they're cleverly written and they're visually striking. And Acorn TV has exclusive premieres and originals that you won't see anywhere else. I'll tell you the show I have my eye on right now. It's a place to call home. My parents are watching it right now and they told me it's a must see. It's hailed as an instantly irresistible saga by the Wall Street Journal. A place to call home is brimming with secrets, passion, romance, and intrigue. It's set in rural New South Wales in the period following the Second World War. I think y'all know how I feel about the Second World War. It follows Sarah Adams, who has returned to Australia after 20 years abroad to start a new life and ends up clashing with the wealthy matriarch, Elizabeth Bly. The main cast includes Brett Klimo, Craig Hall, David Berry, Abby Earl, Aldo Mignon, Sarah Wiseman, Jenny Baird, Tim Draxel, and Frankie J. Holden. I cannot wait to watch the show. It's been described as a compelling melodrama about love and loss set against the social change of the 1950s. It's a beloved period drama that explores the ties that hold families together and the betrayals that can tear them apart. Y'all, this show has my name written all over it. You can get thousands of hours of new refreshing content like this on Acorn TV for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services at just $5.99 a month. I get it through my Roku stick, but you can get it through Amazon Prime, which is how I used to watch in my pre-Roku days. From all of us at the Big Boo Cast, thanks to Acorn TV for sponsoring today's bonus show because it's sponsors like Acorn TV that make what we do possible. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use our promo code BIGBOO. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV code BIGBOO to get your first 30 days for free. So I, I need us to talk a little bit about Amy Grant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really she has a new song that I just listened to yesterday okay I have Ellie Holcomb they've they've written a new song I haven't heard it well okay now that this is what I'll be doing next get on that yes okay so you write all about about the significance of El Shaddai in your life Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, here, here's, here's my thing. I adore Amy Grant. I've never met Amy Grant. I stood in the same r- a room where she was seated one time and okay. made brief eye contact and quickly looked at, like, like, sure. I feel like sure. it were I to ever that meet. That must've been really special. It, for was, you. Okay. it was, it was really special. I feel like if I were to ever meet her, I would, I would weep openly and embarrass myself in some way, yep. because here's mm-hmm. the thing. And, and you touch on this a little bit. I mean, she, for so many of us who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, um, she was one of the few female voices of faith we got to hear, you know? Other than Sandy Patty. Other than Sandy Patty, which, listen, right. that's a, I, I'm not diminishing her impact at all. But, but like, really, like, Amy and Sandy, they were, they were huge yeah. voices. And so I think all the time. I mean, how many times did I listen to the collection, right? To, to her greatest, Gosh. I mean, so many times can yes. sing all of it. Even the now. album lead me on actually <laughs> carried me through oh. the end of writing this book. I'm not even joking. Lead me on carried me through oh, gosh. my second book. Like that yeah. it's still the truest thing that, that album. It's amazing. My friend Hallie and I had a coordinated dance to baby, baby. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. Hey. So I have to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. So you know the writer Sally Lloyd Jones because everybody yes. knows Sally Lloyd Jones. Okay, yes. so Sally is a friend of mine in New okay. York, and now Sally did a wonderful event. They they toured around a little bit, but I went to the one in New York where she and Amy Grant they did sort of a story and songs like a, a, in a round story oh. and songs in a round. So Sally would read something beautiful that she had written, and then Amy Grant would sing. I would have had to lay down. I would. Oh, it was so good, and it was in this old church mm-hmm. in New York with these you know beautiful acoustics and like this lovely setting and. I'm just going to say this. Amy Grant still looks really, really good. Yeah. She's still gorgeous. She mm-hmm. still looks just like she did. She's still beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, her voice is so like specific yes. and just so, I, I don't know. There's nothing. Yeah. It, there's nothing like her. Yeah. There was something so comforting about Amy because Amy was in touch mm-hmm. with her feelings. You know, yes. she just, she expressed things in such a way that you could, you could take away the lesson um, I don't know. She really, I, I think all the time about how grateful I am for her faithfulness to do the thing that, that she was called to do because it really, it, it did. And it continues to make such a difference in my life. I just yeah. I adore her. So here's her the Christmas big, albums are the only ones oh, the best. that I will listen to back to back all the time. I mean, I, yeah, love her. Yep. Okay. So here's the big question then. What's your favorite Amy song? Oh gosh. I know. I know. It's a, it's a, there's a lot to choose from, but. Okay. I mean, I've already said, lead me on, lead yeah. me on. I think is one of, is might be my favorite song. Okay. That or Tennessee Christmas. I'm telling you, I probably listened to that Amy Grant song more than any other ones. Yeah. I've listened to that a ton. I think my favorite, I mean, I love that whole lead me on album. I love that 1974 song on that album. Yes. Um, but I like on the collection when she sings old man's rubble, I had not heard that song in forever and I, I don't know how it popped up, but, but that whole collection deal is just, it's fantastic. Yeah. I just, and there was a song at the end of that also called all I ever have to be. That was like, yes. My, oh, yes. that was like my high school in my fields mm-hmm. song. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I just, I love her so much. And so I was yeah. delighted to, to read that she was a formative influence in your life. Well, at summer camp. Yes. When the lady <laughs> of the lake would sing. <laughs> to us to make us go to sleep. All right. So having lived in Birmingham for 20 years, um, I've never been in this. Per- 
have lots of well here. apparently as fran keenan you know she's the whole reason why <laughs> i knew about your book was because she, she found the book thank uh-huh, you fran she put it on instagram but um so i but i, I think about something a lot it, it just i don't think we're gonna move i don't we don't have any plans to move but if we were to move i'm like well how would i get like certain things um because there are certain certain things that i'm really dependent on one of those is white lily flower i really love white lily flower um duke's mayonnaise is another one i I need to be in the vicinity of duke's mayonnaise um as much as possible and then um for the longest time the other one was something called barber's party dip which is more of an alabama thing it's french onion dip (laughs) but apparently i just found out this this past week barber farms i mean barber has apparently been bought out by somebody called prairie farms and i don't even want to know about prairie farms dip situation i'm not interested i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to move through my my feelings about this so what are the things that you will bribe people to ship you in new york are there are there certain products that you have to have that you can't get in new york so not i mean there aren't there aren't really a ton i mean i keep i keep some corkies or rendezvous dry rub I'm perfectly fine with a Hellman's. The things that I appreciate when I am in Memphis that don't really ship well, although, I mean, I guess honey-baked hams would ship. I love a spiral mm. brown sugar glazed mm-hmm. ham. That is not something you can okay. get here. I love a pimento cheese. Yes, ma'am. I love pimento cheese so much. And I'm not even loyal to any one brand. My sister lives in Charleston, mm-hmm. in South Carolina. So like a palmetto yeah, cheese, or, I mean, any mm-hmm. of those, I'll eat any of them. I don't think pimento cheese is hard to no. make. I think I could make it with, I think all you need is a block of cheddar and a food processor. And some Duke's mayonnaise. So I should probably yeah. just learn, and some Duke's mayonnaise. I should probably just learn how to make pimento mm-hmm. cheese. But I love pimento cheese. Um, I mean, the thing that everyone always jokes about is shipping sister Schubert rolls. Okay. There was a, a grocery store in New York that used to carry Sister Schubert's. You had to scrounge around for them. Sometimes you kind of had to crawl into the freezer mm-hmm. to get all the way to the back to see if there were a couple of pans left, but they stopped carrying oh. them. I have shipped Sister Schubert up here a couple of uh-huh. times for like Thanksgiving, but the shipping is just ungodly. Yeah. It's not worth yeah. it. I can't do it anymore. And again, my sister makes a, a very nice Parker House roll that is equivalent to Sister Schubert if I would just stop being so lazy and just make my own sister shoebert I think I probably could. My grandmother used to make them. You might need some white lily flower um, though. Where are you going to find I that? I might need some white light lily flower. That's true. So there's not a ton of things. I go home enough. I, I, mean, right. I, I fly down to the South enough that I don't feel like I'm too deprived. But yes, I mean, those are, I do keep some barbecue seasoning, you know, on tap. And then if I could, if I could ship a ham, pimento <laughs> cheese, those, those are good things for me. So you went to college at, in North Carolina, right? Did you go to UNC? Yes, I did. Okay. So see, it keeps coming back to barbecue. How do you feel about their barbecue sauce uh-uh. situation there? It, that's it's such a no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to offend. I'm sorry to offend all of my North Carolina beloveds, all my college roommates. No, it's nasty. It's vinegary and thin. It does not. Uh-uh. Nope. And South Carolina, that mustardy sauce is a step above, but still not. No, nope. So I almost hate to ask you because- there's something about releasing a book that's um it's its own it's its own mood like it's um it's exciting and it's fun it's a little vulnerable I feel like when you release a book um what how's it been I mean overall has it been fun to finally share it with people do you feel relieved that it's finally out and about in the world that is a great question and I feel like yes 
the, 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 the main answer is yes. I was really nervous mm-hmm. before it came out. Cause I thought, why did I write this? Yes. Why did I talk about that this? So why did dumb. I talk about that? Uh-huh. What, what in the world was I thinking? I'm going to embarrass and shame my family exactly for generations to that's come. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was really nervous. I will say the response now, there's probably a lot of people out there who hate it. A few of them have left Amazon reviews. A couple of them have emailed me, but for the most part, I think they are staying. They're just keeping their opinions to themselves, which I appreciate. But, um, so I, I, the thing that I love the most, and of course in a pandemic for an extrovert who really, I basically wrote a book so that I could go on a book tour and talk and hug hug strangers. So it has been challenging in the sense that I spend way too much time on social media because that's all there is to do. You're just trying to get the word out about your sure. book, Instagram, and you can't go anywhere. And it is frustrating. I mean, I am the loser who calls bookstores. I'm like, do you have, do you have my book? Would you like me to come sign it? And they're like, um, sure. Okay. You know, so I love it, but well, I mean, I, I just miss people and I miss strangers and I miss going into stores, mm-hmm. but the nicest part of this whole thing for me has been the messages I have gotten from strangers or from people who just are co-workers that I have not seen in five years who are not from the same faith or cultural background that I'm from, are not from the South, are not from a Christian background at all, who have said, I love this book so much. It spoke to me. It reminded me of my mom, or it made me laugh so hard and opened my eyes to something that I felt like I'd been kind of biased or prejudiced against, or Um, you know, I'm an atheist and I just related to so much of it, or I'm Jewish and I related to so much of it. I've gotten so many messages like that. And that drowns out all of the other sort of negative self-talk or worry or whatever I have. I've always said, you know, I think with, I don't know if this is the case with me, the case has been you're, you're writing the book and then you sell it, which means somebody wants it. And then you think it's going to be a bestseller. Look how excited (laughs) that person is. And then you finish it and you turn it into your editor and you think, this is garbage. This whole thing's garbage. Do what you want with it. This is horrible. Uh Then it comes out and you get some nice messages and you think, here we go, (laughs) bestseller again. And then a month passes and you realize that not many books are bestsellers and it's fine. And it's going to just, it's going to be, it's going to have a slow burn and it's going to be fine. Um, I feel like those are the, those are the stages you go through. I mean, for most people, there are obviously some people who do get bestsellers and good for them. But um, I have always said, and I have got to constantly remind myself that God really opened up every door that he, that, that was going to open. And he is going to put this book in the hands of the people who need this book. And I am not going to worry about it. I'm not gonna worry about it. I didn't write this book to make money. Nobody, FYI, PSA, do not write books to make money. You're not going to make, you know, that's not bad strategy. That's not why I wrote the book. Uh Like I wrote the book to tell stories and to make people laugh and to hopefully get it in the hands of people who do not come from the same background that I do and help them relate to it in some way. And, you know, God's going to use it how he's going to use it. And I don't care. So it has been mostly fun, but I really do miss getting out and seeing. Right. Right. And don't you think I, I have found that every single time when you go through that cycle and there is something really vulnerable about putting your words out there and you kind of, or at least I have uh, every single time I have this sort of startled realization that that people are, people will read this. Like, why did I put this on paper? People are going to read this. You know, it's just, and I'm an introvert. So it's, it's the vulnerability part does get pretty ramped up with me, but there's always something so sweet that happens in my relationship with the Lord. Like 
where you, where I just realized like you gave me those words for whatever reason, what a privilege to be able to put them on paper and to share them. And that's really the win and the whole thing, you know, is that, um, like you said, like God opens the doors and you get to share your words and there's a way to connect with people. And it's really the most fun. It is, it is. And you know, I don't have a lot of talents. This is it. (laughs) If I don't write a book or I'm not writing something, then, okay. I mean, I guess I'm just, I'm there. There's no other, there's no other path to like financial stability for me. So I feel like that's, this is, this is all I got. It just, your, your whole book felt like home to me and it was just such a joy, such a delight. And I loved, I felt like we, we got to meet your family. I loved meeting your mom and your dad and your husband and your kids and the rat that was in your apartment, like <laughs> I love that whole thing, but it's just, it's such a joy and it's so easy to read and it's so easy to love your family and, and to love New York through your words. And so we're so grateful that you took some time to talk to us about that and barbecue oh, and Amy Grant you. today. Well, I feel the same way about y'all's books and I feel like y'all have paved the way in so many ways for humor humor and Jesus all cuddled up together. So I appreciate it. It's a good place. Are you going to write another one soon? I am. I am. I think I'm contractually obligated to. So yes. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, your book is fantastic. And I just loved it. I really did. I read it in two sittings and just um, so happy to, to be connected through writing and through Fran Keenan, who I've never met and through um, Memphis. So, well, I, I mean, this is, it is really like the most organic thing that has ever happened in terms of ending up on someone's (laughs) wonderful, amazing podcast is that a decorator who I knew in New York and sent the book to ended up showing it Mm -hmm. on. I mean, you know, like that's, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I'm so thankful for that. That's just, yeah, that's just a great, I bought it on the spot. I really did. Oh, thank you. Anyway, thank you. I'm just so, it means the world to me that you guys liked it and, um, other writers respond to it. That's the best. Yes. So well, thank you're you great. so much. You're so great. So gifted. Okay. Well, y'all have a good, let your, let your husband and your, your older children get out of, out the, of the, car. the car and maybe now your toddler can get out of the tub. So <laughs> okay. thanks a bunch. And I'll send you links when everything's up and running. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Sophie. You'll have a great night. I talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. This episode of the Big Boo Cast has been brought to you by Acorn TV, otherwise known as my favorite streaming service. There's nothing better than getting under a favorite blanket with a cup of tea and pretending that I'm British or fake planning trips to Great Britain and Scotland and Australia while I watch brilliant TV from across the pond. The shows are all so well written with great storytelling and compelling characters. It's the perfect way to binge, especially when you feel like you've seen everything else out there. That's why I love Acorn TV. Some friends and I were recently talking about how we'd love to add new British phrases or words to our vocabulary, and Acorn TV helps us do this. You can escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use our promo code BIGBOO. That's A-C-O-R-N TV, code BIGBOO, to get your first 30 days for free. Well, I think we can all agree that Elizabeth is a delight. I'm so glad I found her. And you can find her online at elizabethpassarella.com. And she's on Instagram at epassarella. Her book, Good Apple, is available everywhere books are sold. And remember, she's a contributing editor at Southern Living, where she writes a column called Social Graces. Sophie and I'll be back later this week with our regular episode, episode 229. And in the next Monday, we'll have another episode of Five Questions with our beloved literary agent, Lisa Jackson. 
You won't want to miss it. Hope you all have a great week.